Good morning, everyone. Talk Radio 930 WTAD, the Mary Griffith Show, powered each and every morning by Harvest Ridge Coffee, made by Refreshment Services Pepsi. And the Pepsi man was in here this morning refilling our Pepsi machine, and everybody was standing by waiting because Zero Mountain Dew is out. So we all love our caffeine in the morning here at the Radio Ranch, and I love Harvest Ridge Coffee. You can get it individually hand-roasted for your desires So be sure to pick up Harvest Ridge Coffee at your grocery store. Have it delivered to your office like we do here at the Radio Ranch, or you can stop by your local convenience store and get it anytime at your convenience. Today is the day that we talk with our veterans, and we're going to talk about an event that's coming up on February 28th with Jake Gill performing. But first, we've got someone new to the Mary Griffith Show to introduce. Emily Crowder is the case manager for the Salvation Army Supportive Services for Veterans Family Program. Wow, that's a lot. And we're going to learn all about Emily and how she made it all the way from Kenosha, Wisconsin, down here to Quincy, Illinois. And we're going to learn about her personally and about her professionally. And then we're also going to talk with Richard Elsenpeter. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Mary. (laughs) Okay. But first, Emily. Good morning, Emily. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Kenosha, Wisconsin, huh? Yeah, yeah, I'm from Wisconsin. You might be able to recognize the accent a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I born and raised in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, ended up going to the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. And then a few years ago, my dad moved down here to kind of keep an eye on my grandpa, who's getting a little up there in age. And about a year later, I followed him, followed him down um, just to be closer to family and, and watch my siblings growing up and everything. So, That's fantastic. But I'm well, loving the area. We love it. How do you like Quincy? Oh, I, I love it. Good. It's uh, definitely smaller than Kenosha, and that's what I was looking for. I, <laughs> okay. I wanted a small town. <laughs> okay, well, you got one. You got one. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your um, professional background. What was your? What did you major in, and are you doing it? <laughs> because those are often two very different questions. Oh, yeah, definitely. You got me there. Um, I graduated uh, with a bachelor's in criminology um, mm-hmm. from Whitewater. I was, I was planning on going into law enforcement, um, did a internship with uh, Waukegan, Illinois Police Department and, and loved it. And then COVID hit um, and I hadn't hadn't graduated quite yet and, and needed work. And um, group home workers are, are essential workers. So I started doing that and I just kind of fell in love with social work from there, um, working at group homes for adults with developmental disabilities and mental health issues. And um, from there, I, I ended up working at a group home for a couple of years until I moved down here and started supervising one. So um, did that for about two more years until I took this role with the Salvation Army. Well, fantastic. I hope uh, Chief Adam Yates is not listening because he'll try to recruit you onto the Quincy Police Department. <laughs> if he's got any idea that you're interested in law enforcement, that's for sure. Well, obviously, you're a caring and compassionate person. And uh, you went from law enforcement to uh, caring for those who uh, maybe have some intellectual and emotional challenges. And that dovetails right into uh, Tri-State Veteran Support, uh, Tri-State Veterans, um, and the Salvation Army Supportive Services for Veterans Family Programs. Talk a little bit about what it is exactly you do day to day. So, what is a typical day for you? Client intake, who you're interacting with, what kind of services you're providing. We've got plenty of time, so just kind of lay it out for us there, what it is that the Salvation Army does, because we have so many people trying to help, and the Salvation Army helps so many people. Yeah, um, I, I love what I do. Um, my basic day-to-day is a lot of case management. Um, 
I work with my already current clients um, to help them find housing stability, whatever um, whatever that might look like. Some of them, it means dealing with um, mental health issues or um, addiction issues, so helping support them in that. Um, for others, it, it looks like finding work again or getting um, enrolled in, in disability uh, programs um, so that they can maintain that housing down the line. Um, I only I solely work with veterans. Um, we have lots of other programs at the Salvation Army for um, non-veterans as well. Um, but my my specialty is only veterans. Um, and I like the idea of housing first. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, when you talk about the hierarchy of needs, there people come with a lot of needs. Yes. yes. Undoubtedly, a lot of needs. But the stability of a place where I'm going to lay my head that night, if you can't get that accomplished, it's really hard to do anything else. So, you know, put the cart behind the horse, put that horse up there first, and that's the housing horse. So how hard is it? Because we've been hearing that there's such a shortage of housing in Quincy, a shortage of apartments, a shortage of affordable housing. And I imagine that a lot of your clients aren't anywhere near a place where they could actually take out a mortgage and buy a home. They're probably not quite there yet. So you're looking at rental housing. How Mm -hmm. hard is it to find suitable housing? Difficult, difficult, definitely um, right now. Um, you're right. Most of our most of our clients, it is low income veterans, so they aren't usually in a place that they can afford to take out a mortgage or, or buy a house. So it is a lot of rental units. Um, there is definitely a shortage of housing, especially single bedroom apartments, because that's a lot of these veterans are just single veterans. Um, we support the whole family, but most of them are coming in by themselves. Um, and there is a lot of shortage in housing right now. Luckily. Um, I've been very grateful to form some great relationships with some local landlords, and veteran status does seem to um, help help these people get housed a little bit faster or move them up a wait list. Um, landlords like like renting to veterans if they can, um, and so it's it's been very beneficial having those relationships in the community to try and get them housed sooner. But it is definitely taking some time. Um, I try to get them housed within two months of the program. I know that sounds like a really long time, but in the grand scheme of things, when they've been homeless for the past two years, two months is, is nothing for them. Well, you have to think, a monthly cycle has to elapse. People have to move out of the apartment for it to become available. Then it's got to be cleaned, and then you've got to be able to, like you said, Absolutely. get your first and last month's rent. And even if the landlord is welcoming, willing, there's still some things that need to be done. So once you get people housed... Well, first of all, let's talk about what happens if you can't get them housed. You're still trying to provide them services, but it's not as stable an environment. So where are they? Are they sleeping in their car? Are they wandering the streets? Hopefully they're in a shelter. Um, we, we work really closely with the local shelters um, to try and try and get them in and into shelter um, if they're eligible, if there's openings available. Um, a lot of times they'll, they'll get their month at the Salvation Army shelter, and we'll start working them. And my goal is to hopefully have them housed um, by the time that 30 days is up and they have to be out again. If not, um, we do for eligible veterans that, that are following the program who have already used up their time in shelter, and shelter gives a good good report that there were no issues, um, that they were, you know, following the guidelines of the shelter really well, then we might be able to put them up in um, hotel until uh, housing becomes available, like I said. Do you have a residential hotel on North 12th Street? Is the Salvation Army involved in that? From the look on your face, I can see the answer is no. Okay. Not that I know of. Okay. Um, I thought that one of the uh, hotels on North 12th Street 
you know, a typical old wayside, you know, motor court kind of hotel, you know, had been turned into something that the Salvation Army was using. But apparently my thoughts on that are wrong. So I, I might not be the, the person with all right. the information on it, but not that I know of. Um, I know we've been really lucky that the Microtel just a few blocks away has been um, renting to our supportive services with, for veteran families uh, program. Okay, great. They've been a huge help. So. so trying to get them housing is first and foremost. Then after you get them into housing, uh, then you have to take the inventory, which you've already taken, of all the things they need. And what are some of the things that veterans need? Um, a lot of it is just basic, uh, what we call general housing stability items. Um, so just the things it takes to furnish a house once once you've got it or an apartment. Um, most of them are coming in from being homeless, and, and um, over a couple of months being homeless, most people will lose a majority of their, their personal belongings. Um, so moving into a place, they're, they're lacking furniture, they're lacking um, kitchen towels, cleaning supplies, things like that, and that's something that we're able to hopefully help provide. Um, we'll go shopping and provide those general stability, housing stability items, kitchen utensils, things like that for them once they're in an apartment, um, you know, just basic bathroom utensils, things like that. We might help them get um, furniture using the, the furniture voucher program through the Salvation Army if funding's available. Um, and then a lot of donations from just different local agencies um, that might have some funding um, together with Tri-State Veteran Support. That's yeah, a you know, huge you help. You don't want to think about people giving really, really cruddy stuff because, I mean, you know, like I said, you know, everybody, even if they're poor, has dignity. But I think about people who throw away a chair just because the upholstery doesn't match their decor or I think about somebody who has a wooden chair where one of the legs is broken and they just don't have the energy. Stuff like that that is easily repairable. Yes. Or, you know, there's a slash in it, but you could you could put a slip cover over that. You know, you don't have to reupholster it, even just put a slip cover over it. Stuff like that that people donate to the Salvation Army yes. store, some of that stuff can end up, I'm sure, probably, Absolutely. you know, helping these people. Same way with clothing and everything else. Kitchen utensils. I just took a whole big thing of old kitchen utensils that were perfectly good, but they had metal on them. And of course, I've converted to all nonstick. And so I took that all to my church and gave it to the ladies, you know, like the funeral ladies that I'm a member of. It's like, here, here's spatulas and spoons and all the stuff we always need. There's probably a whole bunch of stuff around people's homes. Absolutely. Uh, you know, a, a bed frame, uh, a side table. There's stuff that, you know, like, I don't know what to do with this. It's really not worth anything. Does anybody want donate this it. junk? Absolutely. Donate it. If it truly don't is throw it junk, away. donate it. They will dispose of it. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to give people junk. But if it's something that can be rehabbed and reused, especially a guy that knows how to use a hammer and nails, they can really make some good stuff out of an old broken chair, you know. Uh, so always keep that in the back of your mind. What what could somebody do with this old bed frame? What could somebody do with this old end table? What about this chair that doesn't match my decor anymore, but does it still have a useful life? This is great for people who really have nothing to get started with something. So obviously the physical things that they need. And then, you know, food, obviously. But what about um, a lot of veterans come with mental health issues? So why aren't they already getting help or are they getting help, but you're just able to step it up because now they have a place to lay their head? So, yeah, our, our program focuses on housing first because studies show that people have an easier time um, dealing with whatever kind of crisis they might be in um, if they're already housed. But some of our veterans do already come in um, receiving mental health services from local agencies, um, others 
we're not going to force it on anyone. Um, if they choose to, if they want help, then I'm going to guide them in the right direction. I'm going to try and refer them to um, our local community agencies. And um, a, lo a lot of my veterans I've referred to uh, Transitions of Western Illinois or Bella Ease. Um, I get others who are who are looking for um, maybe some crisis services um, for suicide prevention and stuff, then I will refer them to uh, Tri-State Veteran Support or the 988 crisis line um, just to kind of help with that. But like I said, we, we really don't push it on them. Our, our first goal is housing and um, housing stability. A lot of times this stuff comes hand in hand with housing stability, but if it's not something they're interested in, us forcing it on them isn't right. isn't going to work. So. You cannot force any kind of treatment on people. Absolutely However, not. once they trust you and know that you're helping them and you're mm -hmm. giving them housing and they start to build this network and they see other veterans that have benefited from it and they start to understand it's the brotherhood that Richard Elson Peter talks about a lot that you're able to do a lot more with your peer group than Absolutely. you know with others. They may start to be a little bit more um willing to accept because ultimately uh, unless they're on complete and total disability, hopefully they're going to be able to be employable in our community. Mm -hmm. To be employable in our community, you have to have good physical health and you have to have good mental health. Yes. And I'm sure some of them are struggling with both aspects mm -hmm. of that. And so we'll talk about that. We're going to yeah. take a break. We're going to come back. Uh, Emily Crowder, who was very nervous to be on the Mary Griffith Show because apparently yeah, Richard had told her that I beat people about the head and shoulders. I don't know. But anyway, she's doing great. And I think she's starting to trust me just a little bit. So got to build that trust, Emily. I'm working on it. Keep that one eye open, though, for me. Just ask Richard. <laughs> Emily Crowder is case manager with the Salvation Army Supportive Services for Veterans Family Programs. Uh, she moved here from Kenosha. We're glad to have her. And uh, we're certainly glad that she's helping our local veterans. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We're back. Talk Radio 930 WTAD. We almost had the entire world's problems solved between Emily Crowder, Richard Elson Peter, and Mary Griffith. And then that commercial break was over. So we'll have to pick it up during our next commercial break. Emily Crowder is the case manager for the Salvation Army Supportive Services. And her first and foremost priority is to get them housed. If you don't have a a place that you can regularly call your home. This is where I keep my toothbrush. This is where I sleep at night. You know, nothing else much can happen. Mm -hmm. And then you work on job skills, job training, uh, mental health issues if they, if they want treatment, mm -hmm. um, you know, occupational stuff. There is this thought process that there are all these jobs available in our area, and indeed they are. But they are some of the most lowest paying, most menial jobs. And a lot of times veterans have skills far above that. Not that any job has dignity. I remember a couple of, oh, it's been six years now, seven years now. It's been a long time. I keep forgetting. I went back to work uh, in fast food and I just loved what I did. And people were like, why are you doing this? As if I you know, was working at a leper colony or something. I'm like, I love this job. There's dignity in work. You know, I'm paying for my vacation, you know. I mean, I'm making a few extra bucks. Why are you putting me down for wanting to work? There's nothing degrading about this job to me. So what if I wipe off the table after you're done eating? So what if I mop the floor if you spill your orange drink? So what if I say, hi, welcome. Would you like a little kid? Would you like to draw a picture with me? What is the deal? 
that work is so degrading if it's not, you know, a certain level. How do you think people start? How do you think you get to own the McDonald's? You know, you got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, are you having trouble getting people having the right kind of skills? You know, because I would think veterans would have, you know, maybe some welding skills or maybe some medic skills that they could quickly turn that into something. But you're saying maybe not? Um, sometimes, sometimes they do. It really, I think a lot of it depends on, on the veteran's attitude when they come in. Some of them um, do have an attitude of they just want to get back to work and they'll take whatever menial job that, that might be in order to start making a little bit of money and, and contribute towards their rent or things like that. Um, other veterans, they, they might have had a more substantial, higher-paying job in the past, and for them it's very difficult to um, – step down to something that that's paying minimum wage or where their hours are going to be not normal nine to five hours or what they're used to. Um, sometimes they can, they can find it a little bit embarrassing or degrading. Um, they're worried that people they know are going to see them there or think less of them for working at McDonald's, even though, you know, you would hope that's not the case. You would hope well, people would just support each it other. It is. But I mean, that's why I'm saying it's just, it's so funny that um, some of the jobs in our society that people have a natural aptitude for and they're good at it, I mean, they wanted me to go to Hamburger U. I was like, I was tagged when I was 20 as, you know, ownership material. How I wish I'd followed that path. I wouldn't be sitting here behind this microphone right now. I'd be lying on a beach somewhere with my hundred stores just cranking out the money, you know, unlimitedlessly. But we do. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. I always laugh. I said, all the people who are against abortion are the first ones to ridicule and mock a 15-year-old girl who's pregnant. It's like, this is not helping. And the people who want everybody to get a job treat people at lower-level jobs with ridicule and, you know, disgust. And so we are our own worst enemy on this. But you're still trying. You're still trying to find them placement and hopefully get them into a head-of-household-type job, which is some of them need. How many of these veterans... A lot of them are single, single men and single women. But how many of them come with family attached, either children attached or a spouse attached? Um, I'd say maybe a quarter of, of the veterans I'm currently serving have, have some sort of um, household. Um, and that's another, uh, another part of my program that I think is absolutely awesome is that we don't define what a household is. Um, there doesn't need to be a marriage certificate or a birth certificate proving that this is so-and-so's child. A household is whatever you define it to be. It's about the people you care about and the people that you call your family. So we, we really, as long as they're willing to bring in the rest of those that household in with them and they're willing to um, listen to our program guidelines and, and follow the program's guidelines as well as the veteran, um, we'll absolutely help the families as well. We'll help the spouses. Um, one of the big things that we help with is um, birth certificates. Uh, a lot of people mm. need birth certificates in order to um, get into some of these, these housing and stuff. And so a spouse would be eligible for us to pay for a replacement birth certificate as well as the veteran. So it's not just about the veteran. The family is a huge part of it as well. Um, and that's, that's a part of success too is, you know, one person in the family can't just be successful and hold up the entire family. We want everyone in the family to be successful. Um, Another big thing when it comes to to work again is um, criminal history. A lot of these veterans coming in that have been on the streets, been homeless, they end up with some sort of criminal history and that makes um, finding work more difficult, but there are still places out there that um, they get bonus points for for hiring people with criminal history and stuff. So there are is still work available. It's just um, how to find it, 
but we also we can get them involved with work programs as well too. Um, Impact Global is a big one we've been referring our veterans with criminal history too for for work training and then um, hopefully by the end of their program they'll have the skills or um, whatever they need to hopefully find whatever kind of job it is that they're looking for that they would feel more comfortable in and feel prouder of themselves to to work and call their job. Um, We're talking today with Emily Crowder. She is the case manager for the Salvation Army. Richard Elson-Peter is also here. We're going to tell you a little bit after this break about a fundraiser coming up with Jake Gittle performing. We're also going to talk about what is happening in our general veterans community. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk with Emily Crowder about the services that are still not available. I know we're trying more and more and more to get more and more services, and Paul Havermail is working on that now that we have a Veterans Commission in Adams County. But there are always some gaps, and we'll explore those in a moment. But first, we'll take a time out. Head up to the Ursa Farmers Cooperative and see what's happening in the farm markets. Brought to you by Rex Battery. We're back, Talk Radio 930 WTAD, enjoying my conversation today as we do on uh, this second Monday of every month with uh, Tri-State Veterans Support Group. Richard Elson-Peter is here, and he's brought as his guest and my guest today, Miss Emily Crowder from the Salvation Army. You do a lot with housing. You do a lot with mental health uh, issues, referring people to that. You get them stabilized with furniture, with food, with clothing, with job training. You work a lot on that with veterans. What are some of the things that are still glaring holes in our safety net? Because every safety net's going to have a web. I mean, it's not going to be solid. But uh, how big? Where's the where's the net kind of broken and people are still falling through? Emily Crowder. Um, I'm seeing. I would love to see, and maybe I'm wrong, and I would love for someone to reach out and correct me. But I don't see um, our SSVF Supportive Services for Veteran Family Services available very much over in. Um, the Missouri counties right here on the border by us, Marion County, um, and some of the others. So I would love to see um, is that Missouri the Salvation that. Army could do. So the the SSVF grant is actually provided by the VA, um, and there are a lot of different grant holders across the country. So SSVF is available across the country in in most counties. Um, However, it has to be helped by a certain organization. Um, the Salvation Army is one of the bigger holders of the grant um, in the Illinois area and surrounding areas. We also cover um, I- part of Iowa and Kentucky as well. So um, I know like Keokuk through uh, Bloomington, Iowa, Burlington, Iowa, sorry, right. um, is also covered by the Salvation Army's SSVF. Um, I would love to see some more services right over there in Missouri for, for our uh, fellow veterans just right across across the river. And then I would love to see more housing for um, adults with mental health challenges. Um, that's one of the biggest challenges I think facing all of Quincy right now, not just our veterans, is, is mental health and that stigma around it and then discrimination um, against people with mental health. So a lot of times if a landlord finds out that mental health might be a concern, that might sway them from renting to that person. That's unfortunate. So I would love you know, to see you more mental health. You know, you can understand it. Uh, I mean, you could. It, it's humanly understandable why you Absolutely. would have a little hand go up. Well, I don't. I got four tenants here. Possible. Mm-hmm. Oh, which one? You know, think it's going to pay their rent, not cause a problem. But especially when there's a shortage, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And we've we've tried building tiny houses for veterans. We've tried having some more things, Richard chime in here 
We have talked about housing now till I'm almost sick of talking about housing, but we're going to have to keep talking about it until there's not a problem anymore. Absolutely correct. You know, when are we going to get more tiny houses for veterans or when are we going to get more, <clears throat> you know, veterans? Like you said, a lot of these single guys, maybe they could, you know, have, uh, you know, share apartments or something like that. What, what's going to have to happen to get more people housed? I think it's interesting because I know that the Adams County, we were talking about housing, and Adams County has come up with a grant that they're willing to put out money for. And I think that was a made uh, Ken Schneider a couple of yeah, months ago. Yeah, it's uh, here and it's going to happen, yeah. Yeah, so we're talking about that. Um, I'm talking with the Adams County VAC and the Tri-State Veterans Support about how we used to build the tiny homes for veterans here in the Quincy Adams County area and that I would that is on my project list of something that I would like to take up and I was talking to uh, Emily this morning about what is the is it what is the immediate needs is it transitional housing is it stability housing is it low cost housing what is the needs that she sees so I think the conversation is started it's simply a matter of how do we get all of those cogs you know working together uh, to help, you know, again, the city was always fantastic as far as finding locations for us and allowing us to build tiny homes on parcels of property that they have that you couldn't build a normal house right. anymore because it, it doesn't meet the right. codes. Likely, There's a lot of so. places west of 12th Street that would be perfect environments for tiny homes, and they've built some for veterans and for just smaller homes, you know, just for, for lower-income people that need a place to start out. You know, one thing that would probably help is more Section 8 housing. You know, that would be very beneficial, but it would take a private landlord to maybe build a special housing unit of 4 to 8 or whatever in a specially zoned area. It would have to be zoned correctly. So there's a lots of... As long as housing continues to be that hierarchy at the top, we're, Emily can't move forward. You know, she can only do so much. Right. So, um, but thank you for coming by today. I think, you know, I'd thank like to see some me. of those things. And I think that the fact that we know that this is available now, if you know anyone uh, who needs help uh, with veterans' needs, um, the Salvation Army is one of the cogs in the wheel that is trying to help. Richard, I never want to let the hour go by without giving you a chance to talk about... <laughs> What's going on? I don't know if you want to talk about this. You want me to talk about that? What else is happening? Uh, well, I tell you, we have probably about nine different projects that I'm working on uh, for this 2024. Only nine? I mean, gee whiz, Richard. Well, well that's this month. Oh, this month. Okay, <laughs> yeah. well. So I, I know that we just had the Quarter Madness. Uh, we raised money. That was a great event. The Jake Gill concert is going to be on the 28th of February. That's a great, going to be a great one. We're working with Pins for Patriots in March, uh, Blessing of the Bikes in April, uh, and then Fishing for Freedom. We'll have a booth there and things like that. But um, going back to Jake Gill's concert, uh, it is going to be a – Jake called me a, a – about three weeks ago or so, and say, Rich, I'm going to be coming through the area. Do you have a place for me to play? I'm like, Jake, when? Because he said March. We're going to be coming through in March. I'm like, when in March? He said, 28 February. <laughs> I'm like, Jake, March. first of all, 28 <laughs> February is not March. He says, he says, but he says, so we would love to come in and do an event to help raise awareness about veterans suicide or veterans crisis. Uh, I'm like. We will do it. You know, we Absolutely. will set it up. So, uh, Jake well, is a great he is a great guy. Western singer uh, out of Kansas. He was on the um, the Voice. Uh, he was went through round three or round four. I lose track um, of that. So 
he's a great guy, great singer, great band. Uh, he'll be, we're going to be doing it on the 28th of February. It's going to be down to the Elks. Uh, doors open at 6, show starts at 7. Elks is providing a, the food and a uh, cash bar, you know, for that night. Uh, they're, they're, Elks is doing great. They jumped on board with us to help us with this veterans event. And ten dollars uh, requested, but not required it for is your not admission. Required. We are not. We wanted. It's a fundraiser, and people's like, "Well, Rich, how are you going to raise money if it's free?" I'm like, "We just do." Okay, so, so. Well, a lot of people will put in more than ten bucks, but they'd like mm-hmm. you to do that. And that way, if somebody absolutely cannot afford it, just come down and enjoy. You know, some people are down on their luck, but they need to be around the camaraderie of others. And I would just like to say that the thing I think the most amazing about the flyer that is in my hands is that Dave Ulrich is wearing a giant (laughs) Mexican sombrero at the top of this and is apparently providing some of the seed money to make this happen. So is he going to be wearing said sombrero at said concert? Because I demand it or it will be false advertising. Well, Dave is a – I like – Dave and I have worked together for many, many years on Mid-American Military Salute. Mm -hmm. Uh, I asked him to be our host for that evening, uh, and he graciously uh, accepted. I went online to get the best photo of him as I possibly can. This is what you do to your friends. I do not want to be an enemy of Richard Elson, Peter. It's a cute picture. That's what I I told him. He says, Rich, of all the pictures of me, you chose this one. I'm like, Dave, it made me laugh. (laughs) Well... I think he ought to wear it on the night of Wednesday, February 28th, and perhaps do the Mexican hat dance, and people can throw money in the brim of this giant sombrero to raise money. Emily's along with it. She's saying yes. Folks, it's Wednesday night, February 28th. Tell all your friends you can eat and have adult beverages. They'll be for sale. The Elks is catering, as we say. They suggest a donation of $10 per person. You can give more if you'd like, and if you know somebody who can't afford $10, They can come anyway, because the idea is to support veterans, and some of the veterans need the camaraderie of being in an audience with the pro-veteran crowd. Now, that is a Wednesday, and that's one of the reasons. It's a Wednesday night, hump day, and that's one of the reasons we like that is simply a matter. We need to break up the week. We need to enjoy ourselves. The concert itself is going from 7 to 10, Mm -hmm. so even if you stay for the entire concert, you're still going to get home and go to bed and, you know, be able to get up in the morning easily, so... Well, I don't know about that. Thanks to the Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs going in overtime. I'm very tired today, but we I won't hold that against them. Thank you so very much. Anything oh, else? No, no. I think, Mary, thank you very much for having us. Well, it's like I said, with Dave Ulrich in a Mexican sombrero, you just get that picture in your mind, folks, and come out on Wednesday, February 28th. Remember, this is leap year. We have an extra day this year, the 29th. So, uh, you know, if your boss, if your contract doesn't specifically say, yeah, if your boss doesn't specifically say you have to work on February 29th, don't show up. See what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thank you. And join me again tomorrow. We'll have a representative from the Quincy Public School District in studio with me.